Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, family? Welcome to Speak. You already know what time it is. Hopefully the best 90 minutes of your life, at least your sports television life. I am here with the brilliant Joy Taylor and the Eagles all-time wrestling leader, LaShawn Shady McCord on Tupac. But where is he at? <laughs> where is he at? <laughs> Noticeably absent is James Jones. I'm sure saving the world, saving kids, or doing something incredibly intelligent and incredibly heartwarming. We will get to that later. But now, can I hear the whistle? It's time for First and Ten. Not your whistle, lady. It's pre-programmed. Oh, my bad. My bad. Pre-programmed. Caleb Williams, America. He is maybe the most talented quarterback coming out of college ever. I am not using hyperbole when I say this. He is one of the greatest we have ever seen play the game of college football. And he was recently asked about potentially going to Chicago. Remember, Chicago owns the number one overall pick. Williams said, quote, if I get drafted by the Bears, I will be excited. Shady, I know you don't give a lot of credit to college players, but Caleb Williams, he's built different. He's one of those ones, if not the one literally. Is Caleb Williams worth all of the hype, big dog? What are we even talking about? Is he worth it? If you could be the number one pick this year, last year you could be the number one pick last year. It's a no-brainer. You had C.J. Stroud, you had Bryce Young, you had a lot of great uh, quarterbacks. quarterbacks. But he's that good where he could be the number one in each draft class. Go get that boy and stop playing. Listen, i seen the GM for the, the Bears, and he's like, question, should I do it? Should I do it? If you want to keep your job, you better go out there and get Caleb Williams. He's that good. He's that talented. He's that generational talent that you haven't seen in a long, long time. When I watch this tape, he reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and you know what he does. So I would go get him. I had a chance to talk to Caleb a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yo, is it true? Like, you feeling Chicago? You're not feeling him? He said, listen, anywhere I go, they're going to feel what I bring, and that's winning, and that's stats. Mm, and, they, and they have a quarterback in years. Like, man, I, I can't even say Nobody's years. Nobody's ever They've never. Yeah. Jay Cutler was, he was cool. He was cool. He was all right. He was cool. He was solid. Right with the Vanderbilt for a reason, but he was cool. Solid. Who else? Rex Grossman? Went to a Super Bowl. And the last one is, is Justin Fields. Caleb Williams is the answer. He is. He is. He is. He is. George Taylor, what do you make? Is Caleb Williams worth all of the hype, all the glory, all the attention? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is one of those prospects that is going to reward us for talking about him as much as we do the way that we do. What does give me a little pause oh, is oh. Chicago. Mm. Chicago gives me a little pause. They've never had a quarterback throw for more than 5,000 yards. No, they've never had Caleb Williams. But... There are certain organizations that kind of have a reputation for a reason. They're an organization that likes to have a good, tough defense, a big-time run game, and they they like to draft offensive linemen. And I I love all that. I think all those things are super important to winning championships. But it's also important that you have a generational talent 
at quarterback because we have done this exercise many times. Let's take a look at the quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls for, let's say, the last six years. <coughs> we got we got Patrick Mahomes, mm. Baby Goat. We got Tom Brady, Grown Goat. <laughs> <laughs> we got Matthew Stafford. Yeah. We have we have generational talent winning. Super Bowl. So if you want to be in that category, if you want to be contenders, if you want to be winning at the highest level late in the <coughs> season, you need to have somebody that is of that caliber. I think Caleb Williams is that. It does make me a little nervous that Chicago has not just a few years of reputation behind them, but the entire history of their organization of not being but, able but, to elevate but, quarterbacks. But why can't it see? Because people bring it up all the time. I'm like, well, why can't it just be like the, the, the players, though? I, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like I mean, because this is what we were talking about with Joe Burrow. When okay. Joe Burrow was coming out in the draft, Joe Burrow, I, I think, is the he's the talent I've, I've felt the most confident about at the number one overall pick ever. I, I was I was positive that Joe Burrow was going to be as good as he was in college in the NFL. And he was going to a place that some people said same thing they were saying about Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Should he ask to not go to, to Cincinnati? And he wanted to go there. He's an Ohio kid and it all lined up and he's had incredible success. And we talk about him as the second or third best quarterback in the league now. So I do think that you can overcome when you put all the right things together. But we all still had a little anxiety about what Burrow was going to be able to do, and rightfully so. I think Caleb Williams is a tremendous talent. I think he, his talent is the type of talent that translates to the NFL. Right. I think the comps that we have for him and Patrick Mahomes is what everyone is looking for, which can be a bit dangerous. But the way that Caleb Williams plays, the, 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 the dynamic nature of him as an offensive player, his ability to make decisions, to just make plays, really. And, and take over the game is something that I think Chicago needs and could be the the factor that changes the history of this organization. I agree with both of y'all. I think Caleb Williams is better than what we are all saying that he is. I think Caleb Williams is the best college quarterback I've seen. The reason I'm saying he's the best college quarterback I've seen is because who's the best quarterback currently playing? Best quarterback currently playing is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the new prototype. The old prototype would have been Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, 6'5", 220 pounds, statuesque. Now the prototype is 6'2", maybe 215, 220. Mobility, can throw off script, can throw off timing, can be creative. That's Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is to college football what Patrick Mahomes is to the the NFL. And as it pertains to being a college quarterback, Caleb Williams is better in college than Patrick Mahomes was in college. Not to say Caleb Williams will be better in the pros, so understand what I'm saying clearly. But if the prototype is Pat, Caleb Williams is identical to the prototype and probably a little better at the level of play because Caleb Williams is a better runner than Patrick Mahomes is a runner. So Caleb Williams has to be worth the hype. I also think about his coach. Lincoln Riley coach, Lincoln Baker Riley. Mayfield. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield was the best thing Cleveland had seen since 1988 at the quarterback position. Lincoln Riley coach Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts to the, took the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl in his third year. Lincoln Riley coach Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray winning season, winning season, winning season. Pro Bowler, MVP candidate through seven weeks prior to his injury. And Kyler Murray has shown us flashes of why he was drafted number one overall. So even if Caleb Williams falls somewhere in line with Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Baker Mayfield, of which I think he's better than all of them, he would be worth the hype. So Caleb Williams isn't even getting as much hype as I think he deserves because he is that good. Drake May is not as good. Michael Penix is not as good. J.J. McCarthy not as good. Jaden Daniels not as good. Caleb Williams is one of one, and I don't think it's particularly close. Do you think that maybe last year's draft is what's tempering everyone from getting so excited about Caleb Williams? Elaborate. What do you mean? I mean, you know, number one overall pick did not do so well this year. We were all very, very quiet about it, I, I, and I rightfully think, so. I, I don't think they're close either. I don't think they are yeah, either. Yeah. But, uh, but we are not really. Why, why do you think that we are not hyping up Caleb Williams the way that we were before this season? I'm before hyping this, him up. 
college season started. I, I think is that, it the way that it ended? I think it's how it ended. I think people are hyping Caleb up. I think that I just think he's so great. Like, I think Caleb Williams is the best college quarterback I have seen if you are comparing him to the prototype of Pat. It's not to say that Caleb had a better college career than Cam Newton. I would put Cam Newton's last year in college up against Caleb's best year. I could put Vince Young's careers. You could put up Tebow's careers. I'm not saying that you could put up Mike Vick's uh, year when he was a V-Tech. You could put up Burrow's year, all of those things. But when I look at the prototype, Joy, if the prototype is Pat, Who is most comparable to the prototype? That's why I think Caleb's that good. Now, you bring up a good point about Bryce. Bryce underwhelmed. But we had questions about Bryce. His size, his athleticism, his durability. We had questions about Bryce. Not to mention Bryce Young quarterbacked a team that had Devontae Smith plus, was it Gibbs at the running back position? Plus Waddle. Plus, and Williamson. Williamson. And Williams. I mean, Jameson. So we, Jameson, that's what it was. Yep. So that was so many questions as it pertained to Bryce, but 2-5, you, you were going to chime in on something. No, because my thing is, like, when I, when I watch Caleb Williams play, what's his weakness? That's a serious question, though. What, what is his weakness? On time. Throwing on time. Being like a traditional pocket passer, got to get the ball out, don't hold it too long, I, I, that would be the week. I feel like you, you can teach that. The, the stuff that he has, you can't teach. I agree with that. You can't teach to feel the DN pressuring you, you, you move up, they let him go around, and you move back, you scramble to throw. You can't teach that. The stuff that Patrick Mahomes does, you can't teach that. The, the, I had a blessing to be with the Chiefs and to learn from Andy Reid again, right? And I remember just talking to Pat, and he was like, yo, when I got here, I couldn't really read the coverages. Right, Andy Reid taught me how to read some of these coverages, taking the time to put it on, on timing routes, where he was used to just scrambling around, running around, making Throwing plays. So that lets me, lets me know that, yo, you can be taught that. You can't be taught running around and making guys miss off-scripted plays, throwing it 80 yards on them. You can't teach that. So as a coach, when I look at college players, I'm like, okay, how can this guy fit in my system? That's the first question. The second, the second question is, can, he, can this guy be a winner? with my team. And the third question is, yo, can I develop this quarterback? And you can. All them things, he checks all them boxes. You will be a fool to pass up Caleb Williams. Well, let's talk about the team that would pass up on him. Joy, the Chicago Bears, they own the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. They had the opportunity to draft Bryce Young last year. They decided to trade out of that position because they had Justin Fields. They still have Justin Fields. I think he's 10. Oh, he's still there? Still there. Okay. Now, he's 10 and 27 as a starter. However, he has shown a lot of flashes. He's a proficient runner, and he's shown at times the ability to throw the ball. This is the most scrutinized conversation in all of sports television. Glad you're here to witness it and to watch it. But should Caleb want to play in Chicago, given that they've never had a 4,000-yard passer ever? Yeah, absolutely. Ignore all that I'm saying about Chicago. Chicago is, an, outside of being an incredible American city, beautiful city, lots of fun. Great city. Mm-hmm. Incredible sports fans, incredible sports history. If you can go to Chicago and win in Chicago, that's the type of legendary stuff that, like, we just forget forget 40 years of not winning. We still talk about teams in Chicago like they happened last year. They, they set the standard for excellence for decades. So if you can go there and be successful, you are going to be in the legend of legends. Just because of the nature of the the sports energy around that town and the respect that those fans and those organizations still garner, even if they haven't been winning like like the Chicago Bears have. And I also think that when we talk about a player saying, okay, I don't want to go to this this team, which we have seen before. Obviously, the Manning situation is is the one that's often brought up. That was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Imagine that he does that. Imagine he does what Peyton Manning did and goes and has a rookie season like Peyton Manning had. 
We are not going to be very kind to him. It was, it was awful. It took some time. This is not the same world. There is this show. There are 50 other shows. There are 10,000 podcasts. There is Twitter. There is every version of social media. The environment in the world is not the same. We are not as forgiving. We have all these receipts. So to say I'm not going to go play for an organization, especially an organization like the Chicago Bears, and to go somewhere else. Now, I think he still would have success where else he went, but that is a huge risk. We've seen minor levels of this as recently as Russell Wilson asking out of Seattle and going to Denver and not having the success that he expected to have. It, the sports world is not so kind to that anymore. It's not the same world. There's bigger expectations. There's the idea that you're, you're, you're shunning this team. You have guys that have gone to organizations that have suffered like a Joe Burrow and taken them to the Super Bowl. So the standard is set. You can go to an organization that struggles and take them to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow just did it. And, and we're saying that we think that Caleb Williams is on par or better than Joe Burrow coming out of college. A, a better prospect, more talented. And he was able to do that. So I don't like the idea of saying I'm not going to go play for this organization, particularly an organization like Chicago. I understand, absolutely understand the trepidation about it because they do have the history they do at the quarterback position. But this is a new world now, and I just think that it's, it's an honor to be drafted. It's an honor to be taken in the NFL, regardless of where you go. To be the number one overall pick comes with a lot of prestige. And to say I'm not going to go play, that, play there in today's Culture and environment around sports, I don't think is a good move. I don't think it's a good move, but I don't like him in Chicago. I don't like him in Chicago at all. The reason I don't like him in Chicago is because the head coach, not safe. General manager, not safe. So, Caleb, you get drafted your rookie year to a head coach and a general manager, and then nine months into your tenure in Chicago, you got a new head coach and you got a new general manager. Because if you do not make the playoffs as a rookie, please believe that Matt Eberflus is going to be gone. Because they don't necessarily want him there right now. Ryan Poles already understands that he might be gone because he passed up on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for Justin Fields, and that does not appear to have worked out. So I don't like Caleb Williams going to Chicago because they're not safe there. And I don't like seeing coach quarterbacks with turnover after turnover after turnover for whatever it's worth. Maybe Baker Mayfield's bad, maybe he's good. But we're not really going to know, at least we didn't know for the first three years of his career, because it wasn't until he got a head coach of the year candidate where he finally went to the playoffs, won a playoff game. Then he went to join the Tampa Bay Bucks and went to the playoffs and won a playoff game once again. Justin Herbert, first years, came out the gate swinging, but he's on his third head coach in five years, if I'm not mistaken. So even Herbert has that excuse because we don't know how good he is because no stability. I don't like him going to Chicago 2-5 because coach ain't safe. GM ain't safe, and yeah. I don't like turnover for you. You don't think if you bring in a, a top rookie quarterback um, that you may gain a year or two extra to develop him? Not if you're already on the way out. I think Eberflus is already on the way out because Justin Fields was a top rookie quarterback. Yeah, I, I felt like if they're going to get rid of him, they got rid of him this year. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to bring him back. So for them to bring him back, it's like, okay, we'll give him another shot. They get a rookie quarterback, that adds you another year or two years. I think that on his resume that he gets – Another two years from a rookie quarterback. You got to develop them. Because mm -hmm. you keep talking about how, you know, these, these, these quarterbacks have all these different coaches. So it's hard for them to develop, right? It's like one guy, I'm in his system. I believe the things he's saying, okay, he's going. Ah, now I got to learn, learn from somebody else. Where if you have a guy that, that is your head coach, even if he's on the, the hot seat, 
Don't give him a year or two to develop a quarterback like Caleb Williams. Think about, though, Frank Wright and the Panthers. Okay. Frank Wright was a Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Offensive coordinator for the Eagles in 2017. Helped Carson Wentz to a near-MVP year. Emphasis on the word near. Helped Nick Foles come from anonymity to winning a Super Bowl MVP. Frank Wright goes to the Colts. From the Colts, he goes to the Panthers. Panthers have the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. We know that roster was destitute of talent. Frank Wright didn't even last a season. That's true. Bryce Young was the number one overall pick. Heisman winning as a freshman at Alabama, and Frank Reich didn't even last the season. And that's not even talking about the strikes that Iberflus already has on his resume and record. That's where I'm just like, I'm not convinced. I mean, I would would like to see Caleb Williams in Chicago, right? It's a great market, um, you know, city for him. And the thing, he's coming from USC with a lot of hype. You go to Chicago, you turn that thing around. It might take a year or two, maybe take three years. But once it gets popping and rolling, we're going to fall in love with him even more. And then another thing is I always think about, like, all the greats. So when you go to these cities and do autograph signings, right, you look at the, the, the fan base. The fan base will show you how big you were for that team. Yeah. Right? Some great players that play for the Dolphins. You go, to these, you go to these autograph signings, you don't see a lot of Dolphin fans. But Chicago, I've been there. I've seen the lines of Erlocker. I've seen the lines of Brandon Marshall. I've seen the lines of, of all these great players that, that, that come from that Chicago team and that franchise. So imagine you get Caleb Williams from USC. That's his, his own baggage right there, right? In Chicago, he balls out. That ain't like a, a super hard division to conquer. Who's the best team over there? What, the, 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 the Packers? Yeah, probably the Packers Ooh, up and coming. Lions. You see what I'm saying? The, or the, yeah, part, Lions. part of the Lions. Part of the Lions, right? Lions are a good team, but we got to see more of that. Like, I kind of believe it, I kind of don't. I got to see more. <laughs> but I'm saying, if you could take over that division, he'll be a big name. And it's Chicago. But to me, Joy, that's such a big if. That's like, even when I think about the Bengals, you brought up a really good comp with the Bengals. I believe Andy Dalton led the Bengals to the playoffs yeah. maybe six straight seasons, if I'm not mistaken. They have Carson, success. Five straight seasons. That ain't, that ain't that, but that's, just, that's Carson Cincinnati? Went, no, but I'm saying, like, the, the Bengals weren't, the, clearly their, their organization historically mm-hmm. isn't good, but they weren't, we've never seen them be that destitute. Oh, I mean, right, five right, straight yeah, yeah. playoff seasons yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Carson Palmer, clearly he wanted out. We know there was turmoil, all of the things, but Carson Palmer was thought highly of. So we had seen really good, competent quarterback play. Five straight playoff seasons is nothing to scoff at with the Cincinnati Bengals. But with the Bears, Mr. Trubisky went 12-4, and four, and they're like, you know what, you got to get up out of here. I mean, he wasn't that good. Right. But that's the thing. But even Mitch was as good of a Bears quarterback as we've seen since but I, Jay. But, but hold up. See, Talk see, see this, always go back to this. What your eyes tell you. He could have been, he could have been 17-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have thought he was a good quarterback, no, right? No. So this is my thing. And I was speaking from a, a, a perspective of being this type of guy that I've been the best running back in Philadelphia Eagles history. That's a good feeling to have. Imagine Kenneth Williams being the best quarterback of all time from Chicago. You don't think that feel good? But no, my, it, it absolutely. It's a Set your mics on your jacket. I'm just, just feeling like, oh. Just remember it. Is it off? Listen, it, I'm feeling good. <laughs> I know you're cold with that Nobody, on, Nobody too. can say that. I told My thought, though, Joy, is, is <laughs> many people have tried. Fields is talented. It's feeling good still, though. My bad. Cutler's talented. Mitch was talented. None of them are as talented as Caleb Williams, of course. I've already said Caleb's the most talented. But also, none of them even got close. So even if Justin Caleb Williams is as good as we think he is, Chicago historically, they hold you back. Yeah, Chicago historically holds you back. But you you are something until you're not, right? So, like, we're hoping that Caleb Williams is the catalyst to go to Chicago and change this this on-paper history that we have about this team that no matter how much you love the Chicago Bears, these are the facts. Mm. So, I, I, I hear you. 
I do hear you, and my concerns are the same. But my concerns about them aren't enough for me to say, Caleb Williams, you should say I'm not going to play for the Chicago Bears. And the upside to what Shady's talking about and derobing over is that you could potentially be a legend mm-hmm. that we've never really even seen before. King because, like, like, you're the, yeah. But that's your like, co- we're talking about Michael. But, we're talking that's about, your, like, but that's your career. Like, you, we mentioned Manning. Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, if I'm not mistaken, have never won a Super Bowl. Right. If I'm not mistaken, maybe they have. Eli goes to New York. A lot of turmoil at the time because he could have gone to uh, San Diego at the yeah, time. Yeah, now Los Angeles. Well, New York. Goes to New York. Eli Manning will likely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Sure. So, yes, there was tension in what he wanted to do in the moment and years of tension, if we're being honest. His last name is Manning. That helps. But we're talking about the career now of Eli Manning, who you can't tell the story of the National Football League without mentioning Eli Manning. Philip Rivers had a great career, great career, not Eli Manning's. So imagine if Eli doesn't do what Eli did. Now, who knows how it will turn out for Caleb, and I think Caleb should go to Chicago. But we're also saying this as though this isn't the most pivotal decision potentially. But it's really not his decision, because while we're up here talking about this, he's not going to go say he's not going to play No, and he's already said he wants to. He's not going to do that, and it's the right choice, because, again, Eli did it, Peyton did it, all that stuff. That's fine. One, your last name's Manning. That helps. Yeah. But two, it was a different world. If you go, if you do this and you don't have success immediately, forget three years. You ain't got three years. You better be in the Super Bowl like Joe Burrow did in Cincinnati if you force your way to somebody else. You better take this team to the playoffs and win a playoff game. You don't, have, you don't even have a rookie season anymore if you make a decision like that. It's just not that forgiving. And quite frankly, I don't know that it should be because you're really saying I'm too good to play for the Chicago Bears. Yes. And don't you, in, in, my, in my opinion, Caleb is. In maybe, my opinion, like Caleb. Maybe he is. Because you've never had a 4,000-yard pass. Maybe he so is. So I'm too good for y'all. Maybe he is. But if he's not. Correct. At least right away, uh, there are consequences that are going to stick with him for the rest of so his career. If he does, There's so already he, enough pressure on him going in as it is. So you're saying that he says, I don't want to play for them, and then he has a bad first year. You think we're going to kill him? Yes. I don't think so. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd kill him in the moment. I think he'd survive it. I think no, he would survive we, it. But we've seen tons of bad plays as rookies. Yeah, but not and, rookies and, and, that and said and then, I was too good year, to play get, for a team. Trevor Lawrence is another one. Was, 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 wasn't that good as a rookie? Was he? Yeah, um, he had some circumstances. Yeah, he had some, he, all type yeah. of picks, right? But, but, Hold up. And then, and then as he got better, we gave him some more grace. Now, I still feel like he's just okay. But right. he, we gave him more love. But there's a lot of guys that say, I won't go play for Jacksonville. I mean, I just feel like he's that good where people will understand. I don't want to play for the Bears I'm that good. Where you look at, like, Eli, we, I mean, nobody thought he was, like, super good like that. How dare you? Now, you had the Manning name, so it's that different. Manning name. I just feel like this. Caleb Williams is that good for a reason. How and would, if he wants to pick and choose. How would the league react to that? They would love it. They would love it because they can't do it. Mm. I think it would be torn. I, think I don't know. Torn. I would love it. I would love it. Because you, as a player, it's like you got to fall in line. These, mm. this, is, this is what's going on. You got to follow this menu or memo. Yeah. Where compared to if you can change it a little bit, you love it. That's why when guys hold out, it looks like it's a bad thing. They always say, oh, well, how's the locker room feel? The locker room don't care yeah, about but, that. But a guy Get your out, money. A guy that's holding out has earned that money. Not all the time. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> In theory. Uh, well, well, before you start, yeah. who else is on TV from the University of Texas? My brother. Are you the best of all time? <laughs> I would like to think so. I do have the. Don't I it have feel good? To prove it. Does it feel good? Take it off. Take it off. It feel good, right? That's Caleb Williams for Chicago Bears. <laughs>
<laughs> I will keep my suit jacket on. I'm when we return, Jason Tatum, word on the street. Draymond Green says he needs a championship before he gets MVP buzz. Draymond Green has some hard and harsh words for Jason Tatum. Do we agree? Bringing in basketball expert Slick Rick DeBuca to help us weigh in on mm. that. Do not forget, check us out every day, Fox Sports wow. Channel on Sirius XM. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. because the Warriors have been making a run. Warriors, you already know, they are one of the greatest dynasties in sports over the last 10 years. They've won eight of their last 10 games. Chris Paul, he's back. Steph Curry getting buckets. Klay Thompson is getting familiar coming off the bench. So for the expert opinion, I got to bring in one of my favorites, Slick Rick the Buker, Bay Area Slick. You know everything there is to know about basketball, particularly Golden State. Slick, what's up with it, baby? What's happening, fam? My good guys. to be here. Hey, it's good to see you, family. Well, let's start it off with this hey. one. How serious, Slick, should we take the Warriors? Are they legitimate? I think right now they're sitting at the ninth seed playing team. Are they legit, Slick? Yeah. Talk to the world. Talk to me. Ah, uh, Acho, if it wasn't for the producers that we have, I believe, and for... Steph Curry and the Warriors and who they've been, we would not even be having this conversation. <laughs> to your point, they are the ninth seed after making the run that they've made. And if you look at that run a little more closely, the only quality win in there comes back on January 30th when they beat the Philadelphia 76ers at home with Joel Embiid. After that, it's a lot of Charlotte. It's a lot of Washington. It's a lot of Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid. Those type of teams. So, look, do I give them a chance? Yes, I give them a chance because they are the Golden State Warriors. But if you look at their record against the very top teams in the Western Conference, we're talking about Oklahoma City, Denver, Minnesota. You can those three alone. They're one in nine against those teams. You throw in the Clippers, they're two and twelve. Until they demonstrate that they can beat the best teams in the Western Conference, I'm going to look at this as a very nice story. Can they make the play-in? Yes. Probably going to have to make the playoffs through the play-in. And in spite of what the Lakers did last year, I'm just not sold that this Warriors team is quite good enough to do all that and win another championship. Slick, answer me this for a moment, because oftentimes you may have all the right ingredients in the kitchen, but you don't necessarily have the chef that can adequately prepare the meal. Do the Warriors have all of the right mm. ingredients in the kitchen? You take Clay Thompson, you put him on the bench. Chris Paul, he's on the bench. The yeah. Warriors have the perfect chef in Steve Kerr, but do they have all the ingredients, regardless of how you mix them up, or do you think, are you saying that regardless of starting Clay benching Clay, starting Chris benching Cliff, is, are they just lacking yeah. talent? They are lacking talent. They're lacking talent in a combination of the talent doesn't have the experience of having to play the roles that you're asking them to play. Jonathan Kaminga now has to be a central figure in this team. 
can he be that as a starter on a team that's trying to win a championship? He has the talent. I don't know if he has the experience or they have the collective experience together. And that's even throwing in a Chris Paul running your second unit with a Clay Thompson. How familiar are they going to be together? So do they have all the requisite pieces to make a run? I would say yes, but it's going to require some of the other teams in their way to have things go against them. So it's not just a matter of if they play their best, they're good enough. It's they have to play their best. And then some of the teams they have to go through, either through injury or chemistry, have to be less than their best in order for the Warriors simply to have a chance. Well, speaking of the Warriors, Draymond Green said something very interesting about Celtics star Jason Tatum. The Celtics, they got the best record in the NBA, and it is not particularly close. But the superstar Jason Tatum still not getting MVP buzz that he deserves. Now, Draymond Green, he's known for doing a lot of talking, but what he had to say this time was particularly interesting. Turn up your volume and lock in. Draymond, speak up. JT will not be taken serious for the MVP until he win a championship. And it just hasn't been that way for everybody else, I must say. It's not that way for Joker. It's not that way for Giannis. Not that way for Joel. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with Draymond Green's comments. The reason I don't agree with Draymond Green's comments, Joy, Slick, Shady, is because Jason Tatum isn't serious for MVP because he hasn't put up serious MVP caliber performances. It ain't got nothing to do with the fact that he hasn't won an NBA Finals award because Giannis, when Giannis won his first MVP, he looked like an MVP. He looked like the best player in basketball, the most dominant player in basketball, the most valuable player in basketball. However, a voter deems it in Slick Rick, I do know you to be a voter, a very credentialed NBA analyst, if I am not mistaken. When Joel Embiid finally yep. won his MVP, it was because he had been knocking on the door for years, led the NBA in scoring two years in a row, didn't win it two years ago, finally won it last year. Go back to guys like Russell Westbrook. They did things that were statistical anomalies, average triple doubles throughout the course of a season. So I don't agree with Draymond's comments, Slick. I don't agree with Draymond's comments, Joy, not because they're too far off base, but they're just a little bit of a lie. Jason Tatum doesn't need to win an NBA title. He just needs to look like an MVP throughout the duration of a season. And in my estimation, and based on my eyes, I haven't seen that, Joy Taylor. Yeah, Tatum's never received a first-place vote in MVP voting. Let's go back through the MVPs over the past seven years. Embiid last year, you were taking it from him. He finished fourth. Tatum did. Jokic, he finished sixth the year that Jokic won his second in his back-to-back years. Jokic won it again. Giannis, Tatum finished 12th that year. Giannis, James Harden, which of those MVPs are you taking away from those men and giving it to Jason Tatum? None. And it's not because Jason Tatum doesn't have a championship. It's because what Emmanuel just said, he has never played at a level that has felt like the most dominant, undisputed best player in the league. I also think that him playing alongside Jalen Brown probably hurts him in some ways that we consider them to be a duo that plays a lot off of each other. But the bottom line for me is I'm looking over these MVPs, which one of them was he robbed of? I, I don't feel like any of them. And all of those men who won them in those years either did over-the-top spectacular things or were just so dominant that it really wasn't much of a conversation about who was going to win it. What it was it Jokic or was it Embiid? Is it Embiid or is it Jokic? When we watch with our eyeballs and play the sport, when we watch Giannis, he's taking over mm. games single-handedly. He is he's the catalyst for them 
winning. He's the most dominant player in the league. So I agree that it may help if he had a championship when we talk about these MVP conversations. But <clears throat> looking back on the MVPs just over the past seven years, there's not one of them that I would say Jason Tatum would have won it if he had had a championship in those years. Yeah, I mean, I get what Draymond Green is trying to say. And I, and I truly want to see more from Tatum. He's that talented. He's that special. We want to see these things in the playoffs, in the conference games, right, in, in the finals. We want to see that, and we have it. But I got to go back to the, 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 the word of MVP, yeah. most viable player. He hasn't been that. He's been a beast. He's been, he has good moments. He has some good games, some good runs, some good flows. Mm. But he hasn't been the most viable player. Right? I mean, what's the best attribute, mm. would you say? Scoring? That's his best mm -hmm. thing, scoring? He's never been top five in scoring in the league. Mm. That's the truth. So, and if you can't lead that, then why would we give you MVP? It's like Kobe Bryant, his best attribute was, mm. was scoring. And he's not leading the league in scoring? And if we make you MVP, it doesn't make sense. I think Tatum is a hell of a player. I just got to see more from him. And he has to dominate. If you want to be the most viable player in basketball, go out there and do it and lead something. Slick, you are an MVP voter, so your words have not just yeah. value, but they also have a lot of weight to them as well because slick. you're the individual who could help Jason Tatum become an MVP. So invaluable statements that you are about to make. Do you agree with Draymond Green's comments? No, I, I don't. And to be clear, I, I do a monthly Fox Sports MVP ladder, and I went back mm. and checked it. Uh, the last time I did it, beginning of February, Jason Tatum was ninth on my MVP ladder when it comes to this year and winning the MVP. And that essentially is what inspired Draymond's uh, comments because right now Jason Tatum is not looked at by some as even being on the ballot or in the top five. And why would that be an issue with Draymond? Well, because the Boston Celtics have the best record in the league and Jason Tatum is considered their best player, which is usually a formula that results in at least MVP status. But if we're going to go by that, Jason Tatum's not the only one that's being overlooked. Anthony Edwards is mm. the best player on the team with the second best record in the league, and he's not in the conversation either. And this is why, because of what you guys said, which is we watch the games. We're not just looking at statistics. We're not just looking at the win-loss records and looking at who has the best statistics on these teams. We're watching how these games are won. And when you look at how these teams play without, uh, in the case of Boston, Jason Statham, uh, Tatum, or Denver plays without Nikola Jokic, or the Dallas Mavericks play without Luka Doncic, they don't win games. Now, it's a small sample size, but uh, the Boston Celtics have played three games without Jason Tatum this year. They won two out of the three, including a 25 blowout of Sacramento in Sacramento. So when you have that, along with, and you guys may have thought that just because I'm not in the studio, that I don't have the capabilities, the technology. Oh, here come a full screen. Full screen. Here come a full screen. Here come a full screen. I can tell. <laughs> Here, yes, here are numbers that would suggest that Jalen Brown's performance actually has more to do with winning and losing for the Boston Celtics than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum now is a steady figure here, but when it comes to the difference between winning and losing, how Jalen Brown shoots the ball overall, and from three in particular, has a much bigger effect than, it, than Jason Tatum. So... That, for me, again, what, what uh, Shady uh, referenced, like most valuable to me is 
You're a difference maker with my team. Not necessarily you're the best player, but you're the most indispensable piece of my team. And based on everything that we've seen with the Celtics, they are a really great team. And you could say that Jason Tatum is their most talented player. But are you going to say that they couldn't be a winning team without him? I'm not convinced that they would change dramatically if they didn't have Jason Tatum. Slick, I got a question for you because I listen to you when you speak and I do believe words matter. When you said Ant Edwards, you said he is their best player. When you said Jason Tatum, you threw in one very small word. You said Jason Tatum is considered the best player. I was like, why does Slick add the word considered? That's weird. It's unnecessary. Can Jason Tatum win an MVP so long as Jalen Brown is there? Because Giannis won his MVPs before Dame Lillard showed up, so there's nobody else to steal the attention. Help me out here with Nikola Jokic, but if I'm not mistaken, Jamal Murray was recovering from an ACL injury during the first, maybe, of the Joker's MVPs, if I am not mistaken. So, Can Jason Tatum win an MVP so long as there is a Jalen Brown there that is making MVP voters have to use that word considered to preface the best player? Yeah, again, it goes to the it goes back to the eye test. And we've talked about this on the show before, but it still stands to reason that it exists, which is who do we think has more of the killer instinct when it comes to trying to win the game? Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? It's often been said if we could take Jalen Brown's approach and attitude Mm. and put it in Jason Tatum, we would then have an MVP. And as long as that dichotomy exists, it's going to be really hard for Jason Tatum to demonstrate without a shadow of a doubt that he's not only their most talented player, but he is their go-to must-have player. I agree with that. Joy, anything you need to see from Tatum before you can say that he is an MVP? Is there anything he can do in the postseason? Or like you've always said, it's a regular season award, so he just at least has to lead the league in scoring or clearly be the best player on the best team in basketball? Because right now he is the best player, many would say, but it is not clear. Well, I mean, that's kind of the the other part of the pushback with Draymond, right? Is like he's going to win a championship, but it's a regular season award. <laughs> so <laughs> there, mm. there are guys that win this that don't win Good championships. So it, it's, it's not really even about the postseason at all. Now, we do like to see the league MVPs of any league have success in the postseason. We do feel like as voters, as fans, as media, that sort of validates the performance of the regular season if you do have success in the postseason because that's when it matters most and that's when we expect stars to show up. So perhaps if he were to go on some incredible run during the postseason where we saw him be, without question, the most dominant player on this incredible team and he is the reason the catalyst for them winning a championship perhaps that next year we may look at the way that they play differently we may look at him differently but why does all that have to happen in order for it to validate a regular season award and regular season performances which is why i disagree with draymond one is a regular season award two there are plenty of guys who have not won championships who have won MVPs and, and they and will continue to do so. And there's guys that have won championships that have won MVPs and vice versa. And so what? It's really about how you play and, and our ability to see you be the most valuable player. Now, who should win it amongst those guys that we have at the top of this list? Of course, we debate every single year, but I don't think he's being robbed because he hasn't won a championship. I think there's a lot of factors in it, all of which we've already discussed. But yeah, it's a, it's a regular season award.
When we return, we got to transition to a little NFL. Slick, thanks for joining us. We'll get more from you here in about 15 minutes. But on the other side of this break, there's drama brewing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Apparently, the locker room was disgruntled. Nick Sirianni, the head coach, showing favoritism. The stars, they got star treatment. But how about the backups? And some are starting to speak up. Sirianni, is he out of line? Big deal, no deal for one of the biggest brands in the NFL. That's next on Speak. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We get the third and long third topic of the day. The Eagles could have definitely worked better this season. It did not go as planned with a disappointing one and six record during the course of the season. Now, one of the problems an anonymous Eagles veteran said is that head coach Nick Sirianni and his staff played favorites, adding, quote, if you were Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, one of the legacy stars, you were miscues. They were unmentioned. They were excused. But if you were a backup, well, not so good for you. We got the Eagles all-time rushing leader to my right. But, Joy Taylor, you start this one off. Nick Sirianni report. Is it a big deal or no deal that some of the mistakes from the stars went unchecked? Yeah, it's a big deal because they struggled and they underachieved. They had big expectations and they didn't have the season that they wanted to have. So when you are winning and you get this complaint, well, sorry about it. That's how it goes. But when you're losing, all everything matters. I mean, we're talking about them wanting to move on from Nick Sirianni. Of course this is a problem. Of course this is a big deal. Is it, is it everything? No. And, and in general, I, I don't really like the complaining of stars get treated differently than everyone else. I mean, Jimmy Johnson has a, a very famous saying, saying, I treat everybody the same, different, which is what I agree with when it comes to the treatment of stars. Any business, wherever, you're the best salesman, you get different treatment than everybody else. You're the biggest star in a, a network. You get different treatment than everyone else. You're the biggest star in a sports team. Whatever it is, you're the, you're the pageant queen. You get different treatment than everybody else. That's how it goes. The bigger talent gets different treatment. Whether that's fair or not, fair is for Ferris wheels and fried Oreos. That's not how the world works. That, and I love that Jimmy says that. You shouldn't get treated the same as a superstar if you're not a superstar. But what I don't like about what this is in this report is them not being held accountable. Just because I happen to be better than everyone else doesn't mean that I don't want coaching. Doesn't mean that I don't want instruction. Doesn't mean like, okay, I'm not doing things the right way. Well, we're not going to pay attention to that. We're just going to be harder on the guys that aren't, that we're not asking as much from. From you, you get all this money, you get all these uh, all these perks of being the star. Well, there's a lot of expectations that come with that as well. So I don't like the idea that they're not being coached as hard, that they're not being held accountable. Different treatment should be expected. Stars get treated differently. But to say that everyone's not being held accountable, that there's an energy of, okay, we're doing our job, they're not doing their job, but we're taking the brunt of the failures while get, their miscues, miscues and their mistakes are being overlooked, that to me is a bit troublesome. Shady, you were a star in Philly, so this question should hit near and dear to your heart. I played with you in Philly. We did not get treated the same. Now, eh, I'll save that later. <laughs> um, but Shady, is it a big deal or is it no deal? Nah, no big deal. <laughs> this is funny. This, I don't even know who this guy is who's talking about it, but like, come on. What, what team doesn't have show favorites into the best players? 
Like, as a, as a backup compared to a starter, you should know that, though. <laughs> like, he can do this, I can't do that. That's how it works everywhere. I'll give you a story about Andy Reid. We all think he's the best coach in football, right? No doubt. He has favoritism. He shows favoritism all the time. He has his own favorites. Patrick Mahomes, you think he's treating Patrick Mahomes the same way he's treating no. the backups? When I was in Philadelphia, I was a rookie. Second-round draft pick. I mean, I was going to be there, right? I was supposed to be playing. I started my first year. He didn't talk to me the whole year. I remember going home like, yo, this guy does not even like me. How he don't like me? <laughs> my second year, he started talking to me, started hanging out. My third year, we was like best friends. He had a beach house in L.A. somewhere, and I would go hang out there. That's favoritism. <laughs> so to, to answer your question, yes, every, every coach has his favorites. That's how it works. Now, like you talked about accountability, that doesn't change. I'm a, matter of fact, I'm going to hold a higher standard than a backup because you are my best player. Right. And I don't think this is the issue in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I got my own sources. You know that. And uh, it was more of, of players stepping up, right, and stop making excuses. I think there was a lot of excuses this last year. Um, I think some of the blame goes to the, the coaches for sure. But a lot of blame goes to these players. A lot of blame goes to some of these important players that wasn't showing up, yep. that showed up the year before, they didn't show up this year. So I, I don't have a problem with the favoritism. I'm actually used to that. Like, I, I'd rather work hard and, and put everything on the line, sacrifice, so I can get some favoritism. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have a problem with favoritism either. I hope to be treated with favoritism all the time. Um, it's, like, it's a great perk. You know, like, you want to be able to be good enough to be treated with favoritism. And to your point, everyone does. But... To add on to what, what Jimmy's mantra is, he, he said, people have mis- misconstrued my treating players differently. You treat good players get disciplines, so-so players get cut. But everybody gets disciplines. I agree. So that's, that's the issue that I have with this, you know, this rumor, is that it's one thing to treat somebody differently because they're a star. Everyone does that. It's another thing to not hold everybody accountable and to hold everyone to a standard and to hold your best players, like you said, to an even higher standard because we expect more from you. So whether this is true or not, I don't know. But what I do know is they had problems in Philadelphia this year. They didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve. They took a big step back. There were a lot of rumors. There were a lot of reports. We're not playing hard. The, 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 the stars weren't playing up to the level they needed to play. I just think that Philadelphia has something, something that is unsteady whether it was Jalen wasn't healthy all year, whether they, they lost too many pieces, whatever it is. But to go into next season, to, to live up to the expectations that we would have of a Jalen Hurts who's played in a Super Bowl, of Nick Sirianni who's coached in a Super Bowl, of a team that was completely dominant the year before, I think this is the type of stuff that you want to clear out. Yeah. And then another thing is like that everybody talks about Jalen Hurts, the quarterback part of it. A coach is not going to treat the quarterback or treat other players like to treat the quarterback. No. Right? Even when you discipline them. Right now, you hear about the Belichick stories and all that, and that's why that unfolded the way it unfolded. That's why you look the way you looked when, I, when Tom Brady left, right? Because the way you were critiquing everything he was doing. The quarterback is the most viable position in football. You might not have a Tom Brady, but you might have a Baker Mayfield. You still got to treat him with that type of respect because he is the main piece to your puzzle, the main piece to your team. So with the quarterbacks, I've been there with Andy Reid, with all type of coaches. Tough coaches and not tough coaches, they all treat the quarterback different. The way he might yell at me is more different the way he yells at the quarterback. And I respect that because they're under such a microscope. Everything they do, it, it, it can affect the team. If yeah. I miss a block, if I miss a play, it's gonna, it can hurt the team. But if the quarterback misses a read or throws a pick, like, mm-hmm. it can really – well, Donovan McNabb, when I first got there, I always would wonder, like, how come they don't just harp on him if he's doing wrong? And Westbrook would teach me, yo, if Don is on fire, we're going to blow teams out. 
And if he's not on fire, he's going to be blown out. Yep. So you got to watch how you speak to somebody. That's why Andy Reid is such a great coach, just because not only he's a great mind, offensive mind, and um, he's super smart, and you have touchdowns in the Super Bowl, uncontested catches, not even that. But to understand your players, understand how to um, adjust, right, to my quarterback, adjust to my running back, everybody's so different. And as a head coach, you are the man of your team. You are the captain. And if you can find a way to get the best out of this player saying certain words, the, the way you yell at him, right, to get the most out of him, that's what makes a great coach. And I think with Jalen Hurts, there's probably been some things where maybe a coach, Nick Sirianni, yelled at other player different than he yelled at Jalen Hurts, but you're not the quarterback. True. Right? So I, I, I respect that, and I understand that. And if you haven't really been in that, that locker room or been in that in the field to really see that, you, you won't understand it. Like, Because they give you things where it's like, yo, why are you, why, why are you talking to him like that talking to me like this? You got to. For certain roles. I also think, though, the players got to hold themselves accountable. If the coach That's is. true, too. Yes. Because I know some stars where the coach doesn't have to hold the player accountable, but the player hold himself accountable. Player will cuss himself out. Tom harder Brady. than the coach will cut. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. More than the coach will cuss themselves out mm-hmm. if you make a mistake. I remember backing up D'Amico Ryans, and D'Amico would never get yelled at, even if D'Amico made a mistake. But you didn't have to yell at D'Amico because mm-hmm. D'Amico was going to yell at himself. Like, D'Amico was going to cuss himself out before a coach ever had to. So when I was getting yelled at, I was like, hey, why don't you all yell at Meek? Because Miko didn't need accountability. He was going to hold himself accountable. A story to watch in Philadelphia. Well, when we return, Draymond Green. No, well, he's not actually in this one. Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Those are the two stars that are. Who is more likely to win a ring? Former NBA player Chandler Parsons. He piped up and said, you know what? I think KD got a better ring. A better chance at a ring than LeBron James. That is next on Speed. King James. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As we celebrate Black History Month, I'd like to highlight Irv Cross. When I was a young boy, my go-to show every Sunday was the NFL Today. Not only did I love the highlights and the analysis, but I loved the fact that the show featured Irv Cross. 
Cross, who made two Pro Bowls in his nine seasons with the Eagles and the Rams, was the first African-American to work as a full-time sports analyst for a national network. Seeing Cross alongside Brent Musburger, Phyllis George, and Jimmy the Greek Snyder let me know there was a place in sports for African-Americans beyond the playing field. It was then that I began dreaming of one day becoming a sportscaster. Cross was one of the most prominent NFL voices from 1975 to 1990. He died in 2021 at the age of 81, having paved the way for myself and all the other commentators, analysts, and reporters of color you see on the airwaves today. Back to the NBA, two of the biggest stars the game has ever seen. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, they faced off a couple nights ago. KD got the better of that matchup. But now former NBA player Chandler Parkin speaking up, Parson speaking up, saying, which superstar was more likely to win another championship? And he said, quote, I got to say Kevin Durant because I think he has a better chance this year. Bringing back in NBA expert Slick Rick, the Buker Slick. Do you agree with Parsons? KD got a better chance than LeBron at another ring. I agree that he does this year, but it's got to be this year because he's got the better team right right now. The difference maker is that the Phoenix Suns, in order to get Kevin Durant, basically utilized all of their assets uh, to get between him and Bradley Beal to put their big three together. They used up all their assets. The Los Angeles Lakers, while I don't think they're as good as the Phoenix Suns right now, can have as many as three uh, future first-round picks at their availability this summer to improve. And so in the big picture, I like the chance of LeBron getting back there with the Lakers more than I do with KD. But can I, can I put a, a little asterisk do on this think, conversation, Slick? if I may? Please do. I don't see either one of these guys getting another one, okay? I mean, we're, we're kind of choosing between the two, and I would make a case I'm going to lean towards LeBron just because he's done it more often in more places in more ways. But the reality is we're, we're turning the page here on both of these cats. Mm. That's real. I'm with you, Slick, but really, I don't see the Lakers having an opportunity to get another because right now the gold standard in the NBA, particularly the Western Conference, is the Denver Nuggets. And who matches up better versus the Denver Nuggets? We already saw last year in the playoffs, the Phoenix Suns took the Nuggets to six, whereas the Lakers got taken to four and they were swept no gentlemen. So who matches up better against the best team in the West? Who matches up better against the best team in the NBA? Not by record, but just by what we know to be. It's the Suns. They got the length. They got the bench. They got the depth. They got the shooting. So I think the Suns and Kevin Durant have a better chance than LeBron James, both here and now and in the future, because the Lakers are dependent upon an Anthony Davis who, outside of a bubble year, has not shown us the ability to give the Lakers what they need to get a ring. So while I agree with you, I doubt either of these teams have a great chance. It comes down to who matches up better versus the Nuggets. The Suns proved that last year, and they're proving it again in my mind this year, 2-5. Ah, two greats, huh? Two greats. Ah, two greats. I'm going to go with um, Kevin Durant. I think the better team, right, uh, if, if Kevin Durant doesn't play well, they still could win, I think, with Booker and Bill once they get them three playing together. Um, but like Slick said, man, it's going to be tough for both of these teams, both of these guys. I don't see the Lakers going and winning the championship, and I don't really see the Suns. But if I had to pick one team and one guy, I'm going with Kevin Durant and the Suns. 
I'm also going with KD, but I'm mm. going with KD for different reasons. I don't like to predict the future too far ahead because one thing I know about this league is that it can look very, very different year to year. You can have a whole entire different ensemble on every single team and players move around and stars one out and things happen very quickly year to year. So I'm not going to talk about after this year. If we're going to talk about this year alone, I do think that Kevin Durant and the Suns have a better mm. situation this year. They match up better with the Nuggets, who they'd have to go through to get a ring. I do think that if um, if everyone's playing at the highest level that they're capable of playing at right now, when you look at what the Suns have, I, I feel like they have the ability to go further when you talk about the bench, when you talk about the stars. And that's not to discredit what LeBron James and Anthony Davis are capable of, but... This is, this is the matchup that you have to go through. And we, like, as Ocho just said, we saw how it went last year. Obviously, these teams are a little bit different. But in general, also, KD is KD's younger than LeBron. LeBron yep. Not only the fact that Le- KD is younger than LeBron, not by much, three years, but LeBron James has played 1,757 total games, right? KD, 1,204. He has a difference of 500 more games, 553 more games. That's a lot of seasons. seasons. That's a lot of basketball. Now, I know historically KD has had more injuries than LeBron, but we are getting older here. We're talking about two players that are, you know, not old, but aging. And, you know, I don't want to predict the future too much. If I have to pick one, I do think it's KD. But I also don't want to sit here and say that it is impossible that either of these players don't win another ring. Because, again, this is a crazy league and a lot can happen. And last year, I feel like in the playoffs, okay, they, were uh, just, but- they were just gelling together in the playoffs last year with Kevin Durant. Now, like, you're familiar with the team. You're familiar with the roles. So I think it might be a little different coming into the postseason. That does matter. All right, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can, can we write this down? The date? And the time, right. uh, it's, and it's, have a stamp uh, on right. it because yeah, that's what I do. Twenty eighth, yeah. I, I am the only one on the LeBron James train. I'm soft on board. On, on I'm this doing my show, job. I had to I pick am one. The only one. That's not true. That's not true. I had a caveat yeah. at the end. You said that you don't think either of them will. Yeah. I said yeah. I'm not willing to yeah. say. In fact, no, no, no. You just, you bought a ticket. You didn't actually get on that wagon. Okay, <laughs> okay you just said, I'm going to buy a ticket in case it starts going somewhere that I'm going to get on. You don't either one of them. No, 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 no. I'm on the Phoenix train. No, it's, look, I, I uh, you guys make a great point, And if we're, we are talking about the here and now, I agree with you. Because one of the other things, aside from the fact that they took them, uh, were a tougher out against them last year, is that they switched out DeAndre Ayton for Yusuf Nurkic and just size wise and ability wise while I still have some questions I give them a better chance with a guy like Nurk than I do with DeAndre Ayton we've already seen we've already seen what Jokic will do to DeAndre Ayton Mm -hmm. when he chooses Nurk and Jokic as former teammates in Denver I'm still hoping that I'm going to see Nurk take it personally when it matters most in the postseason that Denver chose Jokic over him and sent him to Portland. And then the lack of success in Portland has him motivated to say, it wasn't me, it was them. And now that I got guys like KD and Beal and Booker riding with me, I can show you exactly the kind of big man I can be in the postseason. That's what I'm hoping for. And if that does happen, then I would agree with you guys. But for now, 
Ah, I guess I'm just going to have to be the solo LeBron oh, stand here. Go. Somebody's <laughs> got to carry that weight. <laughs> Good luck, Slick. I hope you've been squatting because it's a lot of weight to carry. When we return, going from <laughs> Phoenix to Tampa, going from the NBA to the NFL, Baker Mayfield, his head coach, said that they are obviously committed to him. But who needs who more? Do the Bucks need Baker more than Baker needs the Bucks? Is Baker the future in Tampa? That's next on Speed. to overtime. Baker Mayfield had a really good season for Baker Mayfield. I say that because it was his first year in Tampa Bay and he was replacing the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. Had a 9-8 and record. Went to the playoffs. Won a playoff game and head coach Todd Bowles said about Baker's looming free agency that Baker is quote, an extremely high priority. Obviously. I agree with Todd Bowles. Joy Taylor, I believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers desperately need Baker Mayfield much more than Baker Mayfield needs the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There are a lot of things that happened at play. You replaced the greatest quarterback ever in Tom Brady, and the team quite literally didn't miss a beat. They went further than they did the year before. Statistically, you did not really miss a beat. Not a significant beat for that matter. And Baker Mayfield only had six months with the team. He had about three months in the offseason before the first game. And most importantly, why I'm encouraged about Baker and why the Bucs need Baker, Baker got better week after week after week. You saw the litmus test. They played the Philadelphia Eagles in the regular season. They lost, lost by double digits. Played them in the postseason, and they beat the brakes off of them. You saw Baker Mayfield improve throughout the course of the season. Imagine how much better he'll be with another year under the Tampa Bay Bucks organization. I think the Bucks desperately need Baker. But, Joy, who needs who more? Now, see, I had an answer, but then I had, <laughs> I just listened to you. So now, <laughs> Shay, here's the thing. What year is Baker in? Six, going on seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think Baker is going to get much better than he is. I don't, I don't think, like, another year under the Bucks organization and he's going to take some incredible, massive step up. I think Baker is what he is at this point in his career. Can he get marginally better, more, can he get marginally more comfortable in a system, sure. Can he can he build up a better uh, you know relationship with some of the players and get more chemistry? Sure. But do I think he's going to take some massive step up in talent, in ability, and speed, and accuracy, and all of the ways that you would take a step up as a young rookie to year two to year three? No, I don't think he's going to do that. I I think that the Bucks will ha- have reached the ceiling that they will reach with Baker Mayfield. I don't think that really? Baker Mayfield... No, Why do you say that? Uh, because there's nothing that ba- has ever happened in Baker's career that would say otherwise. I think Baker Mayfield is capable of winning a playoff game. I think that's what he, do- that's what he has done. I think he's capable of winning a playoff game. In a, in a, in a, and let's keep in mind, like, while they had a good season this year, like, they, they were like the default good se- season. Like, that, that was not a good division. It was, mm-hmm. very, bad ter- division. It was very bad division. Somebody had to win it. Like somebody, somebody, please win this division. So I, I don't. I think what he. I think he did a nice job. I think he played to the best of his abilities. I think he can only get more comfortable. I don't think he's going to get better as a player. That being said, the situation that the Bucks are in is this: you're too good to get a a real high level rookie. You are too bad to get to and win a championship. So you're in this awful no man's land as an organization. To some people, that's awful. Winning a playoff game to some organizations is great. Like, that's, the Dolphins would love to win a playoff game, for example. So, I, I just, 
I think that they need each other. I would say that the Bucks need him more just because of the situation they're in at the quarterback position and because he plays quarterback. Quarterbacks are always going to be in demand, yeah. and especially if you're coming off of any kind of good season, which he, he had an okay season. I don't think he's as good as someone like a Kirk Cousins, but I don't think Kirk Cousins is that great either. But here's the situation. If you are constantly trying to upgrade in a situation where you do not have an actual solution, what is the replacement here? That's my issue. I bring up Kirk Cousins all the time because everyone in, in Washington couldn't wait to get rid of Kirk Cousins. <clears throat> Going to franchise tag him year after year, no commitment. They, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. They've been through like 23 quarterbacks or something. Like yeah. some ridiculous amount of number of quarterbacks. 12 different starting quarterbacks since he's, okay, so 23 was a lot. But 12 is a lot too. Okay, 12 <laughs> is a lot too. They've had the sixth worst record in the NFL since 2018. Now, I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins was going to take them to a Super Bowl, but he certainly wasn't that. So I think it's a dangerous game to play to constantly try and replace somebody, even if they aren't that good, which I do not believe in Baker at a super high level. I do not think Baker is going to take some dramatic step up in ability year to year. I think the only thing that he can do is get more comfortable. And I think he's a nice bridge situation for Tampa. Like, what are we really talking about? Like, what was Baker, when Baker Mayfield before the Bucks? He was a good quarterback to me. I mean, he, was a, he was a journeyman backup. He's on, he's on his fourth I wouldn't. I wouldn't have seen in six years. And I told you he was the number one pick overall. Fourth team in six years. That's what he. That's what it is. So when you ask me like, who needs more? Who needs uh, one other person more? How can it be the Bucks? He was a journeyman. Like you need them. You you back relevant again. We back talking about you in a good light now because of the Bucks. And another question is, we keep talking about Baker Mayfield getting this contract. What about Mike Evans? This dude's been a great teammate, great dude in the community, mm -hmm. and he's been the best player on the team and been consistent. And we're not talking about him getting his money. We're talking about Baker Mayfield. This is why I like the league. I love the league, but sometimes it, it just, ooh. You, you can be a regular player, have a, a okay year, and now we talking about you all day. Mm. Hold on. There was nine and eight. How many yeah. years is that? I don't know. That's Tom Brady. And then nine and eight year, right? And then you went the, the, you're at the worst division in football. The Falcons were not a good team. Mm. The Panthers is god awful. Of course. The Saints? Sure. And we talking about Baker Mayfield. They, the Bucks need him? Listen. I would give him a, a solid contract. I probably won't give him nothing close to the Daniel Jones, probably a little underneath that, right? Because we show, we, they shown us what that contract looks like for that type of player. I just think with Baker Mayfield, how much better can you really get? You 9-8, and eight, I don't know how much better they can really get. Where? And, then, and then the playoff one that they did have that season, all they did is ran the ball very, very well, and they play good defense. I don't like rewriting narratives. A couple things. A couple things I don't like. Number one, where's, why doesn't Baker get the grace that so many other players get? Think about Baker Mayfield has never had a head coach, the same head coach in back-to-back -back years and been healthy. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? The Cleveland Browns. His fault. No, sir. Because you're not producing, now they're getting fired. That's how that works. No. Adrian always says this. Y'all don't play well, they're going to fire us. The head coach of the Cleveland Browns when Baker Mayfield got drafted was 1-31. He had no wins before Baker showed up. So the fact okay, that they so, lost. So, so, so one of the coaches didn't count. Uh, three of them didn't count until he finally got Kevin Stefanski. What did he do when he got a good head coach? He went to the playoffs, won a playoff game. And then he got a good head coach in Los Angeles, and he had that miraculous story that we were all raving about when he showed up with four days of preparation, went out there and balled. Now he has an above-average head coach in Todd Bowles, won a playoff game. They were 9-8 and eight this year. It was not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they were 9-8 and eight or 8-9 and nine in Tom Brady's last year. 
And so I sit there. Can we just keep Tom Brady out of it? I can't because. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. He did. He won a playoff game. He plays every year he's been there. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa. He absolutely did. Let's not talk about the 9 and 8. I have to because when you look at the 9 and 8 bucks that Baker Mayfield led, that was the same team, the same record, the same roster. Way more injuries with Tom Brady. They were 8-9, they more, were 9 way, way more injuries on that team than Tom Brady. I don't have all the notes in front of me, so I cannot... Uh, I got a note for you, though. I got a note for you, though. Talk to me. In six years, he's made one Pro Bowl. Sure. He's the third alternate for that Pro Bowl, right? His career is 40 and 46. That's losing. With the Browns. You keep talking about the Browns, right? Yes, sir. So he got his head coach and all that. 29 and 30. Loser. Panthers. He started there, didn't he? Sure. 1 and 5. Loser. Rams, right? Play for the Ray. Look, we're going to sell all these quarterbacks. Let you play. Hey, one good game, one and three, loser. But here's my question. Nine and eight is less with the books. That's kind of losing to me. It's not losing. <laughs> so all, all, all the stats you keep talking about, about him doing this and that, I'm just showed you a losing resume. No, I, and I'm not, I can't dispute that. that. I, can't, I can't dispute that. I won't dispute that. But I, what I would also say is the Browns would have loved to have Baker Mayfield's 28 touchdowns and 10 interceptions this year. They would have loved to have Baker Mayfield's stability starting what they every game. What Deshaun Watson, who they paid $230 million guaranteed to be healthy it. and be out there. Correct. They, they, had him, they had him, but, but, but they had him, though. They let him, they let him go. Correct. Yeah. And the Panthers also moved on from Baker. And Panthers did oh. not get much better this year. And why did the Browns move on from Baker Mayfield? Because they felt like Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough to get them where they That's wanted to go. That's not the only reason why. Personality? No, let's go to talent. Let's go to play. He got hurt last the ta- year. The talent was part of it, but the, yeah, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a complete show there by the end of it. Yes. He didn't do himself any favors in that situation. But I'm saying this. The Browns, I won't say that they regretted moving on. But as a, somebody who was drafted to Cleveland, obviously one of our producers is a Cleveland Browns fan, it's not like the Browns are better off without uh-huh. Baker Mayfield. So I can't sit here and say that they made a great decision. It's not like the Carolina Panthers are better even off without you, Baker even Mayfield. Even if you want to give, give the Browns, uh, you, you, just take the Browns out of it, right? I am grew up in Pittsburgh. Cool. Everything you say about the Browns is true. Take the Browns out of it. What's the explanation for Carolina? Mm. What's the explanation for Sean McVay and the Rams? Mm. And this year, they were 9-8. and eight. Someone had to win that division. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think that Baker Mayfield had a necessarily bad season. He had a great, he had a good season. It's not a thought. 28. Don't say, don't say great. Don't say great. He had a good season. Did I say great? You I'm almost about did. To. I it said good. I'm saying, I mean, about time. God damn, how many, how many years does it take you to have a good season? When he has oh a my good gosh. coach. He's had good coaches. Ooh. He's played well. So I got to say. Sad, bro. Uh, when we return, Saquon Barkley, his future in New York, it is up in the air, and his tenure in New York, it's all but over. Are we surprised? Is Saquon actually overrated? Is he worth all of the hype? A star for the New York Giants, but that star is fading. That's next on Speak. We asked that he's overrated, but we just don't even say anything about Baker Mayfield. You can't say he's overrated. We're in a hurry-up offense. Saquon Barkley set to hit free agency, leaving his status with the Giants in question. The general manager said, quote, I'm not saying we're going to franchise him or not franchise him, but everything is on the table. Shady, if I'm being honest with you about Saquon Barkley, Uh-oh. I think he's overrated. I think we talk about him too I much. I think that. he gets too much attention. I say it because last year we spent hours after hours, show after show, day after day, talking about Saquon Barkley. And for what? Incredible talent. I think he is a top three talent running back in the National Football League behind Christian McCaffrey, and that's about it. So make him top two. But as far as what the talent translates to on a football field, it's not enough for me. I think we talk about him way too much. I don't think his results translate. I think he's an incredible talent. Congrats to him for being an incredible talent, but I haven't seen that talent mean anything of significance on the football field, big dog. I, I, I mean, listen, if you look at the Giants' success, 
when they ever had success and went through Saquon Barkley. Last year, we talked about how good this team was, and they were not even having many stars, but they were getting wins. They got a playoff win with Daniel Jones as the quarterback, and you know how awful he is. Why did they win that game? Saquon Barkley, for you to say that he's overrated is, is wow, crazy. I look at it like this. Joy, he had a 2,000-yard season, total yards that didn't do anything. He had another 1,700-yard season, total yards that didn't mean anything. The year they actually had a good season was because Daniel Jones actually had a good season. 1,700 yards don't mean nothing? No, it didn't do anything. It means a ton. 1,700 yards is ridiculous. 2,000 yards is unheard of, unheralded. So say that. That's crazy. I'm just saying it didn't translate to anything, Joy. That's my thing. It didn't didn't mean anything. Saquon Barkley plays what position, Shady? Running back. Running back. He's supposed to be winning these games? McCaffrey does. He's going to have to run me a big... What? McCaffrey does. Look at that team they got. Come on, man. Okay. I mean, McCaffrey is In a, Carolina? A McCa- All right. Saquon Barkley oh, is not... <laughs> Saquon Barkley... Is, Christian McCaffrey is, not, is a great player. I'm not going to talk about Christian McCaffrey. Um, what other running back besides Christian McCaffrey, if we want to give that to Christian McCaffrey, is responsible for winning games? Like the Chubb. only reason that... Are you asking rhetorical questions or not? My bad. Nick Chubb is not single-handedly winning every single game. The only reason that we mentioned the Giants is because of Saquon Barkley. Why have we even said the New York Giants name out of our mouth for the past four years? Saquon Barkley. He's the only star they've had for years. He's the best player that they've had on the team for years. And you're talking about these, all these yards and this Russian doesn't win. What, what happens to them if he doesn't have those yards? The same thing that happens if he does. Well, to, uh, to me... As a running back, it should not be your single responsibility to win games for your team. That means your team is terrible. You're running back. That means your team is terrible. They and you should be least. writing him a way bigger check than he gets. They pass the least for a reason. Come on now. I got to figure out what's the score I got to stop answering these questions. The Browns don't have an all, uh, a great defense. They have nothing over there. Kevin Savansky actually should give that to Nick Chubb, apparently. Right? We're in our two-minute drill. Get this. GM for the Jets said that Zach Wilson, the quarterback who started last season, is given permission to seek a trade. Joy, I didn't know he needed permission. I thought that was just kind of understood at this point in time. Yeah, Zach's had a rough go. But I I do think he's going to have a long career as a backup in the league. Really? Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are in high demands. I don't know that he's going to necessarily be good. But a backup quarterback is a nice life. I mean, Baker Mayfield can stop. Can change. Stop. Can change. Stop. He can Baker change. Mayfield after three Baker years Mayf- went to the playoffs. Baker, 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 Baker Mayfield can do. He can do it. We all can change. Baker didn't change. Baker's always been good. He can trash. He didn't have to change. Been weak.